welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Clay. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. I want to start this episode off with a little guessing game. Now, today's topic is the true story that one of my all-time favorite movies is based on. I'm going to give you three guesses as to what movie it is. Okay. Um, I know Sarah pretty well, so I should (laughs) be able to guess this. So my first guess is going to be um, The Wizard of Oz. No. Okay. Um, My second guess is going to be um, Titanic. Nope. And my third guess is going to be Clueless. (laughs) I don't believe I have ever discussed Clueless with you. Um, I'm also, it's not based on a true story, but... um, Clueless isn't? I don't believe so. I think it's it's, uh, based on Shakespeare. Well, I don't think that... um... The Wizard of Oz is based on a true story, too. Well, I mean, actually, it kind of is. There are some elements that was kind of political satire well, at the yes. time it was written. But, yeah, I don't think you could really. I don't. To my knowledge, there's never been like a 12-year-old transported to another realm by a tornado. I mean, to be fair, we would we would not even know. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Well, what, what's the answer? It's Jaws. Oh, did you know that Jaws was based on a true story? Okay, so I had heard that it was based on uh, true events, but that comes with a but it, but that it came with a big asterisk. Okay, so based on true events, but changed to the point where it's almost not even relevant. Okay, well, the movie obviously was based on the book by mm-hmm. Peter Benchley. But the book was inspired by a series of real shark attacks that happened in New Jersey in the summer of 1916. So your Titanic guess wasn't too far off. You're only four years away. Hey. Hey. Over the course of 12 days, four people were killed and another was badly injured as a result of these attacks. If you've seen Jaws, you'll recognize a lot of its elements in this story. Yet very few people today seem to have any idea that this actually happened. Yeah, like me. Like you. Now, before I jump in, I want to give a shout out to my sources. A National Geographic.com article by Vivian McCall called How America's First Shark Panic Spurred a Century of Fear. And a book called 12 Days of Terror by Richard Fernicola. If you're not much of a reader, but you're interested in learning more, I will say that Fernicola's book was adapted into a made-for-TV movie in 2004 with none other than John Reese davies playing the Captain Quint character. <laughs> oh yeah okay so the, the quint character though there yes and that will make sense a little bit later but there okay. is a real guy who captain quint was based on okay to an extent i mean i personally have never met anyone as colorful as captain quint <laughs> um There was also a special during Shark Week of 2009 called blood in the water that focused on this event and i'm sure you can find that online somewhere Now, if you caught the title of Vivian McCall's article, you might be a little surprised to find out that prior to these attacks, people weren't that scared of sharks. More often than not, in the decades leading up to this event, most people believe that sailors' stories of vicious shark attacks were nothing more than exaggerated fish tales or outright fiction. Hmm. In fact, about 25 years prior, a rich eccentric named Herman Ulrichs offered $500 to anyone 
anyone at all, who could prove to him that any human being in all of history had ever been bitten by a shark. Wow. On more than one occasion, Ulrichs showed off his favorite party trick of jumping into the water where a shark had been spotted to further prove his point. And it worked. He was never once bitten and no one ever came forward to claim the $500. That's very surprising. Yes, it is. Or is it? This isn't all that surprising when you consider that your odds of being bitten by a shark are less than one in three million. And also when you consider that this dude was cannonballing into the water and likely scared the hell out of these sharks. (laughs) Sure. Humans are not and have never been a preferred food source for sharks. And it's been proven that one, you're much more likely to be attacked if you're on a surfboard or a float or anything else that might make you look vaguely seal shaped from below. And two, more often than not, sharks bite people as a way of sort of checking them out. Believe it or not, sharks don't have hands. So (laughs) (laughs) chomping is how they feel and test things. You're more likely to die as a result of a fireworks accident, taking a selfie at a stupid time, or being trampled by a cow than you are of being killed by a shark. So why are people today so terrified of sharks? To put it succinctly, because of Jaws. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I knew that it set off the uh, the shark craze. Oh, yeah. Not everyone is like me for some reason. Now, when I visited Edgartown, where the bulk of Jaws was filmed, I would have given anything to see a shark fin peeking out of the water. I even told my mom before I left for Massachusetts that if I did see a fin while I was in Martha's Vineyard, I was diving in after it. <laughs> I guess maybe I relate a little more to Herman Ulrichs than most people do. Yeah, apparently. All right, so we've established that Jaws gave sharks a bad rap and that I should perhaps bring up the whole Edgartown thing in therapy. Now we're ready to set the scene. So, the summer of 1916 was not that cool. There was a severe polio outbreak going around, and New Jersey was in the grip of a dangerous heat wave. People flocked to the beaches of the Jersey Shore throughout the summer, and the resorts were especially crowded on the weekend leading into the 4th of July. Just like in Jaws. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Now, trigger warning here, because I will be describing some graphic, upsetting injuries throughout the rest of the story. If that's not your thing, no hard feelings. We'll catch you next week. So, 24-year-old Charles Van Sant and his family were vacationing at the Ingleside Hotel in Beach Haven, New Jersey, having taken the train from their home in Philadelphia that afternoon, July 1st. Van Sant was playing with his dog on the beach and decided to take a quick swim with it before dinner. After he swam about 15 yards from the shore, bystanders thought they heard him calling for the dog, but soon realized he was screaming for help. A shark was biting his legs. Mm. A lifeguard saw that Van Sant was struggling and raced in to help him. Uh, With the help of an onlooker, he was able to pull Van Sant onto the shore. That helper later claimed that the shark followed them part of the way onto the beach, unwilling to let go of its prey. When they got the shark off of him, they saw that Van Sant's left leg had all of its flesh torn away. There was a, this was a much graver injury than a lifeguard would be able to help with. So he got Van Sant back to the hotel, but there was no use. Van Sant's femoral artery had been severed during the attack. He bled to death on the manager's desk within two hours. Hmm. Despite what you'd expect, people didn't panic right away. Most who heard the story still thought it was an exaggeration. And reports in the newspaper didn't even mention the word shark, saying only that Van Sant had been attacked by a fish. I mean, technically true, but that isn't really the whole story. 
It's also worth mentioning that while Van Sant's death was bigger news in Philadelphia, where he was from, the New York Times buried the story on page 28, and other national papers didn't even bother mentioning it at all. Right, because I guess a a fish attack is not all that interesting. Yeah, who cares? Although, had people heard, you know, kind of the details of it, they, you know, they might have cared. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, this was a non-event to people who hadn't known him. Nobody really cared. The next attack, a mere five days later, made a much bigger splash. Charles Bruder was a 27-year-old Swiss immigrant working in, as a bellhop at the Essex and Sussex Hotel in Spring Lake, about 45 minutes up the coast from Bellhaven. Bruder loved the beach and often went straight there after work to swim with friends. This day was no exception. Perhaps as a way of showing off, he swam past his friends, past all of the safety markers, and made it around 130 yards from shore. It's pretty far. Yes. Now, to quote Richard Fernicola, all of a sudden, the lifeguards on the shore thought that a red canoe had capsized because there was a wide strip of red in the water. Ooh. It's just so horrifying to think about and to picture that. Of course, the two lifeguards jumped in their boat and quickly paddled out to help turn the boat back over. Suddenly, Bruder surfaced, screaming that a shark was biting him and had already eaten his legs. They grabbed his arms and started pulling him into the boat. They later remarked on their surprise that he was much less heavy than they had expected him to be. Mm. Once he was in the boat, they saw why. His legs were gone below the knee. Bruder died in the boat before they even made it back to shore. This was when the world began to collectively panic about sharks. The story made the front page of the New York Times and was even being reported on in European newspapers. And remember that this is 1916. World War I is happening. Yeah. And this is still making the news in Europe. Headlines now said things like shark kills another bather, legs bitten off by man eater, and 500 sea bather killed by shark. Hmm. Then President Woodrow Wilson, who had a summer home on the Jersey Shore, went so far as to call a cabinet meeting to discuss how the federal government should respond to the attacks. Many beach towns installed steel anti-shark nets around their swimming areas and had armed boaters patrolling those waters. Not only was there concern about protecting bathers, there was also concern about protecting revenue. Of course. We're going to hang them up by their Buster Browns. (laughs) Then, as now, coastal towns relied heavily on tourism dollars to keep themselves going all year round. Several towns even posted newspaper ads assuring people that their beaches were safe and shark-free. Some people were reassured by this, but most were not. But again, it's the middle of summer and there's a heat wave, so people weren't going to be able to avoid the water. Public pools started seeing a lot more action at this time, as did natural waterways that were supposed to be safe. Lakes, rivers, creeks, that sort of thing. Cut to Wednesday, July 12th in the inland town of Matawan, New Jersey. Though the town was miles from the coast, the Matawan Creek was a tidal river that emptied into the sea. That morning, when retired sea captain Thomas Cottrell reported seeing an eight-foot shark in the creek, everyone dismissed him. That was ridiculous and obviously couldn't happen. It was just a narrow, murky little creek. What would a huge shark be doing there? That afternoon, 11-year-old Lester Stilwell and a few of his friends went down to the creek for a swim off of Wyckoff Dock. The boys noticed what they thought was a log floating towards them and began to swim closer to check it out. Then a dorsal fin breached the surface, heading toward them. Mm. 
Though the other boys made it out of the water quickly enough, Lester was still on the dock's ladder when a shark pulled him under. The boys all ran for help, returning with several nearby businessmen, including 24-year-old Stanley Fisher. None of the adults believed that Lester had been attacked by the shark, despite the boys having seen a shark. They thought he must have had a seizure as he was climbing the ladder and that the boys were just shaken up because of the other recent attacks that were still dominating the news. Therefore, they had no real fear when diving into the water to try to find Lester. After a brief search, Fisher found Lester's mangled, dismembered body and began to carry him back to the shore. Onlookers watched in horror as Fisher himself suddenly disappeared below the surface of the water, losing Lester's body in the process. Mm. The shark had bitten Fisher's right leg, and he bled to death in a nearby hospital within three hours of the attack. As for Lester, his remains were found two days later, approximately 150 feet upstream from Wyckoff Dock. There was a third attack that same afternoon, about 30 minutes after Fisher. 12-year-old Joseph Dunn was playing in the creek about a half mile away and, of course, had no idea what had just happened. Fortunately, Joseph's brother and a friend were nearby when the shark bit Joseph's leg. They were able to save him after what was later described as a, quote, gruesome tug of war. Mm. Though Joseph lost his leg, he ultimately survived the attack and was released from the hospital two months later. Understandably, the citizens of Matawan went absolutely buckwild bananas at this point, cleaning out local hardware stores of every gun, bullet, and stick of dynamite they could get their hands on. There were so many boats out on the water that they could scarcely move without bumping into each other. People were tossing lit dynamite and fireworks into the water and shooting at anything that moved. Despite their best efforts, the shark made it back to open waters unharmed and unseen, but that didn't mean he was safe. At this time, President Wilson sent federal agents to New Jersey and also deployed the Coast Guard to the areas of the attacks with orders to catch and kill every single shark they could find. The hunt ramped up even further when several local communities started offering rewards to anyone who could prove they caught the quote-unquote man-eating shark. Hundreds of fishermen went out chasing the money. It became the exact scene in Jaws after Alex Kentner dies and a reward is offered for the capture of the shark. Yeah. (sighs) Man. Yeah. Now, as someone who loves sharks and has a very soft heart for animals in general, knowing that that scene was based in reality breaks my heart. Thousands of sharks were killed along the mid-Atlantic coast with guns, dynamite, harpoons, and in a few cases, even small cannons. Let me just take a second to denounce this horrific behavior and remind everyone that sharks belong in the water. People do not. If you go into a shark's home and it gets pissed off with you about it, that's on you. That being said. (laughs) On July 14th, the same day Lester Stilwell's body was recovered, a seven and a half foot great white shark was caught by Michael Schleiser, a fisherman patrolling an area four miles north of Matawan. When an autopsy was performed on the animal, they found 15 pounds worth of human remains in its digestive tract. This includes 11 inches of Charles Bruder's shin bone, so the second victim. Oh my God. The shark was taxidermied and put on display at a local newspaper office. There's no way to know No way to know if these attacks were done by a single shark. And to this day, there's still a lot of debate over the number of sharks involved. I do personally think it's compelling that Bruder's leg was found in the stomach of a shark so close to Matawan, but there's truly no way to know. And that is the true story behind Jaws. 
man, that is, I, I, I wasn't saying a whole lot because it's horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no idea that there was this massive shark hunt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, continued to this day. And that was something that after the movie Jaws was released and this new terror of sharks, you know, uh, resurfaced, Peter Benchley felt horrible about it because it started again with people hunting the sharks and all of this. And that was not ever the point he was trying to make with his books that sharks were evil. And so he spent, you know, the rest of his life working towards shark conservation. Mm, Yeah. Because it's really not, I mean, again, they're supposed to be in the water. You're not. Yeah. I guess, um, I guess Jaws itself was its own thing. Right. But not only did it create the, you know, some hysteria, obviously, it also was a big financial success. It was the first ever summer blockbuster. Which means lots of sequels. Oh, yeah. We have Sharknado because we have Jaws. Yeah. Lot, <laughs> lot, yeah. And lots of movies coming after it, which I guess reinforces because if it was just jaws Mm -hmm. you know that 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 is what it is um it'd be like it's it's kind of like a twister right when twister came out there was some you know like wow tornadoes are are horrifying Mm because we're seeing what they can do but there weren't a bunch of tornado movies that came (laughs) after i I only know of one other one which was night of the twisters which we had to watch in middle school Oh, terrible. It was, but it had Devin Sawa, I think, so that's <laughs> something. But yeah, with Jaws, you, you had you had decades of of shark movies, mm-hmm. sequels, Sharks on Revenge. The, it's still coming. I mean, to this day, there's still shark movies. It's yeah. terrifying. And that, that certainly fuels the, the fear. Well, and you, you really can't overstate, you're not even just talking about fiction. I mean, Shark Week yeah. is the biggest week every year for the discovery channel. I love shark week because I love learning about sharks, but there's always, you know, the most popular episodes are always the ones like I survived a shark attack. Here's my scary wound. Yeah. Well, there's something morbid, morbidly curious about shark attacks because they are Mm -hmm. so vicious. Oh yeah. You're being, I mean, it's, it's, they are, they are, they are incredible hunters. Oh, for sure. And, um, the shark. I mean, I mean, as, as you were describing it, it sounded unlike anything that, probably unlike anything that anyone had ever seen before. An animal that can mm-hmm. just rip off your your legs without a hit, without a moment's notice. Oh yeah, you're just you're out swimming, and I mean the first the first attack. He was not even that far from shore. Like the water is specifically described as being shallow. He's just out playing with his dog for a few minutes before dinner. I mean, he really wasn't out there for very long at all. Mm. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a downer episode. Yeah, but... yeah, a little bit of a downer episode. But, you know, go go watch Jaws. Go watch Jaws. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it recently, it still holds up so well. I mean, of course, the mechanical shark, when it, like, jumps up on the boat looks pretty silly but other than that (laughs) still i would still call it a perfect film in spite of that i i saw it for the first time 
in adulthood. Mm-hmm. And it was still very effective. That was our second date. It was our second date. It was our second date. And like also our sixth or seventh date, we went and saw it in the theater. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it is still very effective. And I think it's, I, I appreciated that you threw in the, uh, the um, conservation points. I mean, that's just so important. Yeah, It's a scary story. It's a terrifying thing that, to happen and to think about and especially you know there's a couple of children who were attacked and it's it's horrific to think about but you know you're not supposed to be there and 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 as you said before it's rare it is very rare very rare now it's most likely to happen off the coast of florida and the second most likely place for attacks shark attacks is um the various and sundry coasts of Australia. Mm -hmm. It's very, very rare to happen in New Jersey, you know, up North, even though you see, you still see plenty of sharks up there. It just, it doesn't happen that much. And it happened again in New Jersey in 1960. I think there were one or two victims, but who lived, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's very, very rare. If you really need to go swimming, maybe go in a pool if you're near shark-infested waters, you know? Yeah, don't go in shark-infested waters. Yeah, that's the thing. I love the ocean. Love going in the ocean. Don't get me wrong. But just, you know, be aware of your surroundings and <laughs> your place in the, in on the earth. Yeah, that's true. Well... Sorry for bumming everybody out, but thanks for listening and giving us a little bit of your time today. Hopefully you found that story interesting. And if you did, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. If you'd like to check out some pictures uh, related to this story, they'll be on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. We're at FantasticHPod on both. You can also drop us a line at FantasticHistoryPod at gmail.com. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. Bow-legged women.